0: Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen and we hope that this blesses you in some way.
1: You stand as we continue to worship this morning. God sent his son, they called him Jesus. strength is gone, but deep within my soul is rising up a song, here in the
2: comfort of the faithful one. I walk a narrow road through valleys deep, and search of high I touch your side, a throne upon your your bride, you bled and and died, but But there's an empty tomb, a love for all.
0: he lives I can face tomorrow and it is well with my soul because on Christ the solid rock I stand for he's the lily of the valley the bright and morning star he's the faithful one and I can stand and shout at the top of my lungs how great Our God. If you didn't catch that, go back and listen to the video of the worship service. That was the theme of our praises to a Savior who is great this morning. That it is well with my soul because He lives. No greater combination of songs could be sung on the same morning to a Savior so wonderful. As you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, and find your way to verse 35. If you find your way to the big number 19, you went slightly too far, back up about eight verses. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. What happens when sinners meet a Savior? What happens when sinners meet a Savior? Now, since the beginning of this year, We have been on the subject of how to make 2018 your best year serving the Lord in your entire life. How can we make 2018 our greatest year of serving God? We've touched on topics such as obedience, looking to Jesus for our strength. We've looked at the subject of prayer. We discussed fasting. Last week, we talked about our worship to God being our reasonable service. What we will do, if we know the king, is we will worship the king. Now this morning, we start to step into a different direction. And we're going this direction as we move towards... Our Good Friday service as we celebrate the cross of Calvary and what Jesus did on that cross and then to follow it up on Easter morning as we celebrate Celebration Sunday together. And so as we start to take this journey to the cross and to the resurrection, we're going to take the next couple of weeks and we're going to walk with Jesus in his last weeks on this earth. We're going to walk with Jesus and kind of see what Jesus did and what he said in his His last weeks on this earth as he journeyed to the cross that he knew was coming. And so this morning we'll be looking to a wonderful miracle of Jesus as he restored the sight of a blind man. but, But he did so much more than that in the process. So if you are able in the house this morning, please stand in honor and in reverence for the holy words of our holy God from Luke chapter 18 beginning in verse 35. And then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise. To God, let us pray. Father God, oh God, we thank you for your spirit's presence thus far in our service. And God, we yearn that your spirit would continue to dwell among us for the next few minutes as we worship through the teaching of your word. God, would you escort any spirit that is not your Holy Spirit from the presence this morning? That we might be able to focus on you. And worship you. Because you alone are worthy of our worship. Nothing that we possess. Nothing that we have. Nothing that we touch on this earth is worthy of our worship. For you alone are worthy. So God you have your way and your will in this service. And we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for what you do. For it is in your precious saving name that we pray. As all of God's people said, amen, and you may be seated. Now, as we dive into this text, let's think about where we are in the text. Jesus, uh, if you were to back up a little while, Jesus started his earthly ministry with a miracle in Cana of Galilee by turning the water into wine. That's the first recorded miracle that we see in Scripture is Jesus turning the water into wine. And it ends... Here, with this miracle that we're going to be talking about this morning, the restoration of sight to the blind beggar. Now, I don't want to pretend like the resurrection is not a miracle or that the the salvation of the thief on the cross is not a miracle. That's not what I mean. I mean in his earthly ministry, before things start to make a direct turn to the cross, this is the last miracle that our Jesus is going to do. Now, his, his ministry began in an insignificant village in the foothills above the Sea of Galilee. And this healing of the blind man is in the lowlands around the Dead Sea. And so you have one kind of above Israel and Jerusalem and one kind of south. And what you could say is that sandwiched in between those two miracles is a Jesus who went about changing the world, doing miracles, restoring sight, healing the deaf, casting out demons, bringing dead men back to life, doing all kinds of miracles, preaching the gospel calling of disciples and seeing all kinds of lives changed because they came in contact with Jesus Christ. You could say that from this first miracle to this last miracle, Jesus did one thing and that is that he established that without a shadow of a doubt, he was the Messiah. He established that without a shadow of a doubt, he was the one who had been prophesied about the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the kingdom, the one who had come. He was the son of God, the son of man, and Jesus, Lord of all. And so here we come to this final miracle, and Jesus is heading to the cross. In the next few chapters, we see no more glimpses of salvation until we see the centurion and the thief. Saved, And so things are fixing to get dark, you might say, as Jesus begins this somber journey. Soon, the crowd will announce Hosanna and then scream for his blood in the same few days. But this morning, we get a chance to look at this miracle of Jesus. And the first point that we will be looking at is the problem. ...with our situation, the problem with our situation. As the story begins, Luke says that Jesus was coming near Jericho. And in verse 36, it says that there was a multitude, a multitude... And so if you look at Matthew's account, this miracle is is, is recorded in Matthew and Mark as well. And so we will pull some things from both of those recordings of this account so that we get a full picture, really, of what's going on here. But in Matthew's account of this miracle, it says Jesus was accompanied by a massive crowd. So we have a tremendous crowd. Now, I want to point something out. There would have been a big crowd on this road during this time of year, there would have been a big crowd on this road. Why? Because the Passover is near. So all of the Jews who had been scattered abroad would be making their way back to Jerusalem to do what they were supposed to do and present themselves. And so as the Passover comes near, the travelers would be increased. That's probably why the beggar had made his way to this road because there was going to be an increase in the traffic that was coming through. Matter of fact, they had to come down this road because not only the people from the south on their way to Jerusalem would come down this road, but the people from the north would too. Now that doesn't make much sense, does it? But but what it was was that There was this big, awful place called Samaria in the middle of them. And so the the Jews from the north wouldn't dare set forth in in, in Samaria. And so they had to go around and down and back up on their journey. So this beggar understood, this is the place where I need to be. There's going to be a lot of traffic coming through here. And I want to make my way here. But, But I think we see something even more significant about this moment in time. Because it says that accompanying Jesus was a massive crowd. So in addition to the crowd that was going to be coming down this road anyway, there was Jesus coming down this road and there would be an even more notable crowd surrounding him. Why? Because for three years he had been preaching and teaching and doing miracles and restoring sight and bringing dead back to life. He had done all of these things. And now just imagine... The crowd that would start to gather because they were curious about what Jesus was going to do next. There was a crowd that would gather and they would be saying, Is this the moment where he establishes his kingdom? Is this the moment where he heals another dead man? Is this the moment where Jesus looks to my infirmities? And so you had all of these people, some watching curiously, some following genuinely as disciples, some who were angered because he had just healed Lazarus and had diverted some attention. But there was no shortness of people. And here in the midst of all the chaos and all the confusion... And all the throngs of people is a blind man begging on the side of the road. If you look to Mark's account of this same story, you'll find out that this blind man had a name. Luke just says it was a certain blind man, which introduces us to the fact that it's one that people would have known. Mark said his name was Bartimaeus. Some of you have heard the story of blind Bartimaeus recorded. That's the same guy that we're talking about this morning. And so here's a crowd of people. And on the side of the road is poor, blind Bartimaeus begging. Now this term for begging lets us know some things about blind Bartimaeus. People that would beg at the side of the road were not people who could do anything else. In that time, it wasn't like you had people who would drive their Lexus and then hold their sign up begging. This wasn't what went on in that time. In fact, to beg would mean you literally had no other way to provide for yourself. You would sit on the side of the road and you would beg because you couldn't get a job, you couldn't work, you couldn't earn a living, you couldn't do anything, you couldn't provide food, you couldn't provide shelter, you couldn't provide clothing, so you literally stood or sat on the side of the road begging for people that came by to look down on you and take enough mercy to provide you a cloak or provide you some food or provide you some coin. And so this is what blind Bartimaeus was. He was a beggar, helpless. And he wouldn't have even been accepted inside the town anyway because in that time they looked at blindness as the result of sin. You remember the story of the blind man that Jesus healed. And in the Pharisees that asked this question, they said, was it this man's sin or the sin of his parents that caused this blindness? They looked down upon blindness, not as a genetic thing or, or as a disease. They looked at it as a result of sin. What did you do that caused you to be blind? They said the blind were lower than low. They were like the lepers. They were outcast and looked down upon. And here we have Bartimaeus on the side of the road begging for somebody to give him something because he recognized that he was helpless. Now friend, we have a tendency in our society to look at the beggar and look down. But before you look down upon Bartimaeus, I want you to know that here in this story, the person that we are most closely going to relate to is blind Bartimaeus. Beggars, completely bankrupt, completely incapable of anything of our own accord, sitting, begging for someone to pass by and have mercy upon us. That's who we really are in this story is we're most like blind Bartimaeus. What do you mean, Brother Jason, when you walked into church this morning, I wasn't standing on the steps asking you for anything, no. But can I say you might should have been standing on the steps asking for the Holy Spirit to pass by. God, I can't manufacture what I'm going here to do of my own accord. I beg you to come into my life, and I beg you to allow me to come to your throne of mercy just one more time. God, I'm incapable of doing anything good. Your word says that all my works are filthy rags. I have nothing to offer you but myself. God, would you make something with me? I am bankrupt and useless and incapable and a beggar begging for a savior. The problem with our situation is this. We're just like this blind man in need of a passing savior. We're going to see Bartimaeus didn't need the crowd to pass by. He just needed one. He just needed the Savior to come strolling by, which brings us to our next point, and that is the presence of the Savior. The presence of the Savior. So we have this beggar. Now just imagine with me, this man was a seasoned beggar. He'd been begging for a long time. He was good at it and so as he sits by the side of the road he had begun to perceive things that the crowd was increasing or decreasing why would he need to be good at that because as the crowd increased his begging needed to increase because there were more opportunities for begging but this man perceived that the crowd was even bigger than the big crowd he perceived that there was something going on that was different he said wait a minute something is happening right here on this road something is going on on this road and he asked what is going on that this crowd would be bigger now now this crowd imagine this with me I want to set the scene because if you don't get in my imagination if you don't get where I got in my private prayer time this week you might miss out and just read these next three I don't want you to do that okay Now, now just imagine with me those of you who have good imaginations go with me those of you with bad imaginations tune out Alright, so if you got a good imagination, I want you to imagine this with me. Blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road, he was the lowliest of the low. He was blind. He had but one cloak with him. He didn't have nothing. And on the side of the road, he sat down on the ground, making himself look even lower. And there was a crowd passing by. Now this is not... Some little crowd. This is a Black Friday crowd outside of Walmart, son. This is one of them crowds where the blenders and the TVs are half off and everybody's camped out to try to get in and get one. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're lined up through the parking. Walmart's got a parking lot bigger than any parking lot i ever seen and it's full of people. All right, this is a big crowd, and in the middle of this big crowd is this one blind man not standing up to get in and get a blender, but sitting down hoping somebody will give him one on the way out. Here is Bartimaeus, and here is the crowd. Can you imagine the noise? Can you imagine the clamoring, shoulder to shoulder, trying to get around? And this man says, What is going on? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth is walking by. Now, in the midst of this crowd, I don't want you to miss out on what just happened. In the midst of this crowd, they said, Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And suddenly, this beggar low, sitting on the ground, shouts out at the top of his lungs, Jesus, Son of David! Y'all didn't know that was coming, did you? He said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now keep in mind he's down here. Everybody's up here. And he starts to shout out, Jesus, Son of David. But he said much more than have mercy on me when he said that. By him shouting, Jesus, Son of David, we see that blind Bartimaeus recognized something about Jesus Christ. That he wasn't just a man from Nazareth, but that he was the Messiah. How do we know that he recognized him as the Messiah? Because by saying, Son of David, He recognized that this was the one who fulfilled the Davidic covenant That God had given to the Israelites in 2 Samuel chapter 7 Bartimaeus said wait a minute I perceive that this one coming down the road Is one that has changed everything and can change me He's the Messiah, the one prophesied about The one talked about, the one to fulfill it all I bet he's the one can make these old blind eyes see And I am not going to be silenced When the son of David comes passing by. And so he shouted at the top of his lungs. But then the crowd. You ever noticed that every time somebody gets a hold of the fact that Jesus is Messiah and starts to shout out, there's always some group of people to try to shut them up. Hey, homie, we don't need to hear that mess here. Jesus is coming by. We need to try to present ourselves as dignified. This, this man has, has brought Lazarus back from the death. He doesn't need to hear your shouts. Would you please be quiet? Would you please be quiet? We're trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, and we need you to, to keep it down, Bartimaeus. But Bartimaeus, recognizing that the Savior was passing by. said, I ain't going to be put up or shut up. I'm going to shout out. Matter of fact, if you look at Matthew's account of the story, he uses a word here that's different from the one Luke uses. Matthew's account of the story tells us that Bartimaeus shrieked in such a tone that it would have been a word used to describe the shouts of some woman in labor or a person who was possessed by a demon. Bartimaeus screamed like a woman having a baby. All of you ladies who have had a child, you know what I'm talking about. Shouted like a man possessed by a demon so that everybody would have no doubt that he was crying out to the son of David to have mercy on me. He said, I ain't going to be sad. You can tell me to be quiet all you want to. This might be my only chance to see this Savior pass by. And he started to kick his feet and pitch a fit like a kid in a candy aisle. He said, I am going to be heard. Son of David, Son of David, Son of David. Be quiet. Son of David, I'm not going to be quiet. The Savior's passing by. You can't stop me. Oh, that we would have that same attitude, church. That when they tell us to put up and shut up, we would say, I'm going to sit up and shout out. Because the Savior is passing by this Sunday and I am going to shout my praises to His name. Why? Because He's worthy of that. Because He's the only one that fixed me. He's the only one that can deliver me. He's the one that made me. He's the one that sustains me. He's the one that delivered me. He's the one that died for me. And I am going to not ever be quieted no matter what you old fickle Baptists tell me to do. I'm going to shout at the top of my lungs. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? He's the one that... made made me see, and I'm going to shout with adoration to him. Bartimaeus has tried everything. You don't think that in his lifetime as a blind man begging, he didn't try every medicine and everything in the world that he could put his hands on to fix himself. Bartimaeus would have begged for a coin, took it to a doctor, got a salve, and come out blind his whole life but suddenly Jesus is passing by. I want you to look at what Jesus does. Verse 40, it says, Jesus stood still. Think about that. Jesus is on his way somewhere. I believe Jesus had a purpose in everywhere he went, and I doubt that he was just moseying along. And the crowd is big. And suddenly this man starts to shriek out. Now, how many of us would stop and pay attention to somebody that was screaming like a man possessed by a demon? But Jesus Christ on his way by said, wait a minute. Somebody, somebody shouted my name. Bring him to me. I want you all to bring him to me. If you look at Mark's account, you see that the crowd goes over to Bartimaeus when Jesus commands them to, and they say, hey, you be of good cheer. The Savior will see you. Jesus will see you. And it says that he got up, leaving his garment behind, and he went to Jesus. Now, that may not seem like much to you, but I want you to keep in mind that garment that he left sitting on the side of the road was all he had, and he was blind. He probably couldn't get back to it. I don't know if you all understand blindness, but it means you can't see. So if he left that garment behind, unless somebody gave it to him, it was gone and it was all he had. Did you understand what I said? When they said the Savior will hear from you, he left everything behind to get up and go see Jesus on the chance that Jesus might be what Jesus said he was. He left everything sitting on the side of the road. Why? Because... This Bartimaeus recognized that what I got now pales in comparison to what I'm going to have in a minute. I'm going to leave it right here. I ain't going to need it no more. Because I got the faith that when I get to the feet of Jesus, he's going to pick me up and he's going to make me see. Mm. Now church, I want to hang on just a minute. I don't want to go no further until we step on some toes. In verse 40. Jesus said something in particular to the church. He commanded him to be brought to him. We won't stay here long, just 20 or 30 minutes. He commanded the people to bring Bartimaeus to him. And the people brought Bartimaeus to Jesus. Do you see what happened there? He said, do it. The people did it. We're about to see Bartimaeus' life Changed forevermore in the moment that's fixing to occur. Something's happening on this road because when Jesus said, "Bring him to me," the people went and brought him. The church, I don't know how how good you are at connecting the dots, but somewhere towards the end of the Gospel of Matthew and at the beginning of the Book of Acts, we see that Jesus tells the church to go and bring them to him and make disciples out of all the nations. He's told us the very same thing. And my friends, can I tell you what's going to happen when we go out and do what Jesus told us to do? Lives are going to change. This life of Bartimaeus ain't never going to be the same. Matter of fact, his life changes so much that his name is mentioned in Scripture as a beggar. That's a big deal. That means he didn't stay a beggar long. That means he did something. He went and told everybody about what Jesus did because the people did what Jesus told them to do. Now, that's what we're supposed to do. I told you I wouldn't stay there long, but I'll come back to it in a little while. This last point this morning, though, it's my favorite. First, we had the problem with our situation. Then we had the presence of the Savior. And finally, we have the picture of salvation. I'm about done. We have the picture of salvation. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Jesus, that I may receive my sight. Jesus, that I could see. And I want you to think about these next few verses, what happened there. He said, Jesus, that I might see. And Jesus said, well, open them eyes, big boy. And I want you to see the colors of this world that I created. I want you to see the people that you've recognized as sounds. I want you to see the trees. I want you to see this sand. I want you to see how beautiful that sunshine is that you've been feeling. Tonight, you're going to see the beauty of a night sky for the first time. He said, Jesus, I want to see. And Jesus said, it's done. Now, if that don't get your heart pumping just a little bit, check your pulse. But this next part better really get your chills rolling because Jesus said something else to him. He didn't stop with his eyesight. He said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, I'm going to teach you something this morning. If you don't take nothing else out of this message, you take this with you. The blind man's faith to come to Jesus, when he says it made you well, he wasn't saying that your eyesight was restored because you had faith in me. Your eyesight was restored because I loved you and I decided to heal you. But that phrase, made you well, is literally a phrase that means rescued from the penalty and the power of sin. Rescued from the penalty and the power of sin. And so, when Jesus said, your faith has made you well, he just said, son, your faith has saved your soul. He said, your faith has saved your soul. Friends, what I'm telling you is that this blind beggar who spent his whole life bankrupt. Without anything, getting his sight was the second best thing that happened to him that day. Because he could have lived his whole life a beggar, found Jesus, and had everything. Now Jesus gave him his sight as well, but he said, you are saved. If you look at that next verse, look at what Bartimaeus did after he got saved. He did what you do when you get saved, might I add. It says, he followed him, glorifying God. My friends, when a sinner meets a Savior, they follow him and glorify him. That's how you really know if you're saved. I get that question a lot. How do I know if I'm saved, Brother Jason? Do you live your life in obedience to Christ? Do you wish to follow him the days of your life? That's why I ask that question before we baptize anybody. I want to know that that's what your profession is, not did you decide you didn't want to go to hell? Did you decide you wanted to follow Jesus? All the days of your life, did I say you won't slip up? Of course not. But your desire will be to submit to the ways of the Lord and His Word. And if you don't want to follow Him and you don't want to glorify Him with your life, then my friend, you didn't meet the same Jesus that I met. Because this story right here shows us what happens when a sinner meets a Savior. When a sinner meets a Savior, his life changes forever. And he wants to follow the Lord and glorify the Lord. And you know what happens then? It says that other people looked on and began to praise God because they saw what he had done in the life of this blind man. This morning a man said, I've not only made a decision to follow God with my life, but I want to be obedient and be baptized. And through that obedience, he glorified God by being obedient. And you know what happened? This church praised the Lord as a result of seeing it. Do you not see the scripture play out? It plays out every time because God is faithful. God is faithful. When sinners meet a Savior, they get well. They get saved. And they glorify God. Now this morning, maybe you're here. And you say, well, Brother Jason, I'm not not good enough yet to come and give my life to the Lord. I've got things, Brother Jason, going on. I've got things. And I think I've got I'm working on them. I'm getting better, brother Jason. And when I get just a little better, then that's when I can give my life to the Lord. My friend, this beggar, didn't have anything he could improve of his own. And that's what got him saved. You've got to realize you can't fix yourself. You can't do it on your own. You're just a beggar on the side of the road. And Jesus is passing by. Will you reach out and say, Jesus, will you have mercy on me? Will you ask that question this morning of our Lord and Savior? Will you have mercy on me? And can I tell you something? My God is faithful and just. It says that if you cry out to Him with that request, that He will cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness and you will be saved. Signed, sealed, delivered, just like Bartimaeus, you will be saved. But you're going to have to be willing to do something. Just like Bartimaeus, you're going to have to be willing to leave everything you had, where it sets, and get up and say, I put all my trust in you, Jesus. I leave all that behind, and I follow you. Church, as we get towards Celebration Sunday, I ask you to remember verse 40. I asked you last week who you were inviting to Celebration Sunday, and I tell you this week that the Word of God says, if you love them, you'll bring them. If you believe that Jesus Christ is going to be glorified on Celebration Sunday, you should desire to bring people into the house to see it happen. Because when sinners meet a Savior, that's when their lives get made better. Let's pray. Father God, God, we come to you this morning. We recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt. God, we have nothing to offer you you love us enough that you sent us the Savior. Now God I believe that your spirit is present in this house this morning. And God I believe that in this house there are people sitting right now struggling facing difficulties facing concerns who need to reach out and say Jesus have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I've never been saved. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never made that step. Jesus, would you have mercy on me? And God, would you convict them this morning? Would you do what only you can? Not anything I can do, nothing Brother Ligon can do, nothing the pianist can do. Only you can save a soul, Lord. So we ask you would touch them this morning. And God, for your church, would you give us a conviction to bring the lost to your feet? Recognizing that when we do, you are faithful to cleanse them of their unrighteousness. God, we thank you for what you've done. We praise you for what you will do. And it is in your precious name that we pray. Amen.